0: What is going on, Breakthrough Success listeners? Mark Berry with another episode here today. When it comes to productivity, we think about how do we get that next thing done? How do we get more tasks done in a shorter period of time? And we commonly see procrastination as this bad guy, this villain that interrupts our ability to be productive. But procrastination, if we harness it correctly, it helps us to get more done. We have to master how to become better procrastinators in order to hit the next level of productivity. We will explain all of that in this episode. So by the time that you walk out of here today, you will know how to be productive. You'll know how procrastination ties into it and what you can do to move forward with your goals. Our guest who joins us today, he is a productive procrastinator. He's earned a doctorate written 12 books, and he's published 50 articles as well. Now, you would think that someone of this caliber would tout productivity, and procrastination wouldn't be anywhere in that equation. But that is not the case with our guest. We're going to go into his mentality in a little bit, but he is none other than Pat Sanahan.
1: Pat, welcome. Thanks, Mark. Looking forward to it.
0: Pat, it is such a pleasure to have you on Breakthrough Success. And procrastination, I would love to just go into it a little bit where so many people see it as the villain. How can we see it as an ally?
1: Well, I think, it's, uh, I think there's a couple of myths that people have around procrastination. And most of us procrastinate on something uh about 20 to 25 percent of the adult population are what we consider chronic procrastinators they they put things off and delay it and they know they still got to do it but they they delay it and it costs them and if you can learn to manage your procrastination and i've been a lifelong procrastinator and it used to be a big part of my lifestyle and now i only procrastinate around one or two things in my professional life and i still wrestle with them and uh, i just recognize that uh We're not lazy. Most procrastinators are very hardworking and very successful people. Uh, And that there are certain things that we have to understand to make sure that we manage a procrastination. It doesn't become a force of not getting things done and we can move forward. And there's the book is full of just these little strategies that I've used and the research shows that actually work. Beating yourself up about your procrastination habit Mm -hmm. is not a good idea. It's not productive. And it, it happens too often to people who procrastinate.
0: And I definitely agree on that idea where we beat ourselves up so often. I think it's human nature for us to beat ourselves up often because we often think about what we could have done better instead of acknowledging our successes. And procrastination, it's going to happen no matter what productivity strategies you do, what productivity books you read about, how to not procrastinate. You are going to procrastinate at certain points. How can we get better at not letting it take us down and feel less about ourselves because yes. we procrastinate.
1: Well, you pointed out something, Mark, that's really one of the essential elements is that looking at what we've accomplished, right? Most of us are, are successful, and we always look about what the shot that we didn't take or the, the the goal that we didn't make. And focusing on what you've done positively is just a smart idea. And um, a couple other things is really to visualize your progress. Like every day I have a, a little to do list and every time I f- finish with those things, I mark it off with a very big red marker. So during the day as I'm working hard, I feel like I'm making success. So making your progress visible is really a smart, smart technique. And then uh, just a little bit of a, a myth that a lot of procrastinators have is that I have to feel like it before I do it. And uh, the thing I wrestle with still, and I'm an old guy, uh, is doing my taxes. And I'm never, ever going to feel like doing my income taxes, like about the billion other people on the planet. And I have to have these strategies in place to be able to move forward, even though I don't feel like it. So the the mythology is people believe that motivation comes first and then action. And it's completely the reverse. you got to act a little bit, and then you can get some motivation and move it forward. And the research is very strong on that. So. It's uh, if I waited to do my income taxes when I felt comfortable with it, uh, you know, I'd probably be in jail. I mean, they'd be putting me because I didn't file my income tax returns, but you'd use little strategies to move things forward.
0: And I mean, when it comes to that idea of just taking action, that is going to be how you build up the momentum and then you get to that point like if you wait to get motivated you're not going to go out and do it pat exactly. mentioned that you, he has a to-do list where he writes all these, and it's a very common practice to have a to-do yes. list but that to-do list can get very long like writing freelance <laughs> articles doing videos and you can have like 10 different things on that list i think yes. one of the reasons that we procrastinate is we see this list and we just have no idea what to do so how do you suggest we figure out that first thing to do the second thing and structure our day around.
1: That's great. great. Listen, uh, you, you hit upon a lot of really important things. Most of us have a to-do list or an action list or an agenda. A couple of things to consider is and for years, I used to have 10 items every day that I would try to do. Now, how I came up with the number 10, I do not know. I probably read a time management book or something like that. And I would get to the number seven and eight and by the end of the day, I'd be exhausted and feel like I was a failure. And I'm talking to a friend of mine and he said, uh, why don't you just cut that in half? I said, What? He says, Yeah, cut the list in half, you'll find you'll get more done, and and you'll feel successful. And I've done done that for the last 10 or 15 years. And I usually try to do six meaningful things a day. And in the afternoon, if I get, you know, a little bit tired, there's lots of other things I can do returning emails and doing this and that. But six is chewable. It's doable. I feel successful at the end of the day. So having fewer goals and giving yourself a little bit more time is really, really important. And you really kind of speak to something that gets in the way of a lot of people's minds. It's something that uh, Mark Twain came up with years ago, and it's a big misdirection. He said that uh, if you have two frogs to eat, eat the big one first. And uh, for will never eat the big one first. Right? They, they just say, Oh my God, I don't want to do that. And they just get away from it. So what I suggest is you take the small one. So when you have a to-do list, do something easy. So you got a check mark, do a second thing. It's easy. You got a check mark. Now I'm getting momentum. I'm getting success, I've got some strategies, and then I can be able to tackle maybe some of the more difficult things. I worked at a marketing firm about six years ago and they would tell salesmen for half a century, make the toughest call first. And they'd sit there, they'd be sweating, they'd be stressing out. And I said to the guy who was in charge of it, I said, can I make a suggestion? How about you get some three easy hits, make those conversations and then take number four, you take the tough one. Well, they grabbed at it and they turned their marketing efforts around. These are like salespeople on, on cold calls, which is a very tough business. But if you have a couple of successes under your belt, then you've got, I got some courage now and some discipline I got some success. Let me tackle something a little bit more difficult. Does that make sense?
0: I I definitely, I mean, it it ties into what Pat said earlier where action goes first and then you get the motivation. If you do that big frog first, you're not going to want to go after it. You're going to be stressed. You're going to just want to do almost anything else. But if you take action on those smaller items, that's when you build the motivation. Then when you combine action and motivation, it is a lot easier to take on those big sales calls. Now, for something like, because I know you mentioned income taxes, and yep. I don't think anybody wants to do the taxing. Like it's just one of those things you just got to do it every year. No question about it. How do we build up to those types of tasks? Is it just do the small things like we just mentioned, or is there a little more when it comes to something like income taxes?
1: Yeah, that's great. This is what I do with my income taxes. And uh, it's something called temptation bundling. And what temptation bundling is, there's a lot of theory behind it and pretty powerful story behind it, but it's when you pair something positive with something kind of negative. So I don't want to exercise, but I'll listen to sports radio. Mm. I don't want to clean the garage. I'll listen to my favorite music. Uh, I don't want to iron the clothes. I'll watch a movie while I'm doing it. So you, te- you know, you, you, temptation, but you bundle something nice with something that's kind of onerous and so high. And then the other thing is doing things in chewable chunks. A lot of procrastinators think they got to sit down and do five hours of tough work, you know, research, writing, whatever it is. And chewable chunks is 15 minute increments. So when I do my t- taxes, um, I, I do it in 15 minutes. I have a little timer, it goes off. I take a break for five minutes or 10 minutes. I come back to it. But I'm always watching a sports show when I'm doing my, my taxes. Uh, I, I'm a big a sports fan. I love football. Um, and, uh, but I watch basketball. I, I don't do golf too much. It's just not too entertaining for me. I need to see some action. I'm watching it. It's taking me a lot longer. This is really important, Mark. It takes me a lot longer to do them, but I do them. Mm-hmm. finishing is the victory in procrastination, not time. And so if it takes me two or three days watching TV and sports and enjoying myself and also doing my taxes, that is a huge victory. And about 25 years ago, I got a couple of years in a row where I had to pay late filing fees, penalties, and I haven't done that in 25 years. So that's how I keep score. Don't like doing them. I don't think anyone likes doing their income taxes, but I, I, I temptation bundling and I do it in chewable chunks. And in every 15 minutes, I take a physical break. I just kind of walk around the office and come back, get settled in. And I've also marked success. I have 15 minutes written down in a large column. Every 15 minute increment, I got a big black marker that knocks it off. So I use all these little tools and techniques to get the job done. And that's the key. That's the key.
0: I really like that strategy now I know some people are thinking well like you know you, you want to be focused when you're doing any type of thing like if you're watching football it serves as some type of distraction but for something like income taxes you just want to yes. get those done like it doesn't matter uh if it takes you a little bit longer but if you're just yep. able to distract yourself a little bit like for some of my exercises I'm being an exercise big runner bunch of marathons
1: Marathoner, yeah.
0: yeah I mean I will listen to music on some of those runs, not all of them, but sometimes the music helps me with wanting to run because I'm not just going to like sit and listen to music on my couch for 30 minutes. But if you turn that into a run for 30 minutes, then you're able to listen to music. So I love that approach, even though for those runs, like I'm not running as fast because I'm holding the phone. It's something that gets you out and gets you to do the extra mile. So I love that a lot
1: it's a very straight, very smart strategy. I walk, cause you know, I'm a little older guy. I got bad hips these days. I walk 10,000 steps a day. Uh, and over the last two, three years, I've got about a 95, 96% success rate. And what I've learned to do two things I've learned to do is sometimes two days a week, I'll walk with a, fi- a friend of mine. So you, you're chatting, you're, you're talking about all kinds of things, solving the world's problems. And boom, an hour and 20 minutes later, you got your, you got your 10,000 steps in. And then what I've learned is a little cemetery near my house. It's a very pretty little picture. I live in a nice town, Doylestown, Pennsylvania. And the macadam is all around the place. So there's no potholes. They take care of it. And what I've learned is I can listen to an audiobook while I'm walking, or I can read some articles. And that's what I tend to do. I like to read. I'm a big reader. I can't read something on physics or philosophy. Something's going to challenge my mind. But there's a lot of articles you just want to kind of go through and see what they're doing. And so I get a twofer. I get my exercise. I have a buddy of mine twice a week that we do that. And then I also learn as I'm walking. And it's, uh, you know, it's the same thing with a marathon. My God, I mean, I've never run a marathon. It's pretty extraordinary. But there's times when you must have to push through something and use something like good good music or a buddy next to you would be a very smart strategy. So it's very smart.
0: I mean... I don't listen to music when I run the marathons, but you're always looking at somebody, see if you could like inch past them or stay with them. Like there's so like, it's not a, um, there's a lot of, um, like some people say it's an individual sport, but there is a lot of camaraderie that you build up over time from something like running. I want to get into the 10,000 steps per day, though. That is something my mom also prioritizes a lot. Just get those 10,000 steps. That's a really great fitness technique uh what do you recommend for people when uh it's cold because i'm we're in new york right now we got a single digit temperature coming at us what's your recommendation for cold weather and still doing that habit
1: yeah i I think that a couple things is that if i'm waking up and i have my own rituals in the morning everyone has their own rituals but when i go to walk i have everything i need in one place so I'm not looking for my coat and, okay, am I wearing a scarf today And no, do I have my winter gloves? Because you said yesterday, at least where I was in Doylestown, it was very, very cold. I think the high was 12, which is unusual for this time of year for us. Um, not Green Bay, Wisconsin, where I've got some good friends up there and things like that. But my shoes are ready. So everything is in one space. If I'm looking for things, we call that friction. If I'm looking for my hat and looking for my gloves and looking for this, after a while, I go, oh, the heck, it? it's too cold out there. Let me grab a cup of coffee and read the newspaper. But if I got everything really organized, boom, within a minute, I'm ready. And then actually today, I just ordered from Amazon a better pair of gloves because I went out yesterday. Today's a little bit milder, and my fingertips are cold the whole time. And I was rubbing them and rubbing them, But, and I don't I don't encounter that too much. Now, the other thing that's really important when you do something like that, and this is really important, is if you've finished a task, reward yourself. A reward could be a latte, a reward could be watching a little bit of TV, a reward could be watching your, reading your favorite book. And the problem that results or a challenge that adults have oftentimes is we have these shoulds. Oh, we shouldn't need a reward, Pat. Are you kidding me? I mean, rewards work. And the research is pervasive in how powerful it is. So set yourself, we call it a reward map. What are 10 things you'd like to do? Some cost some money, some cost no money that you'd like to do. And after a task that you've completed, especially like 10,000 steps, I don't know what you how you reward yourself with a marathon, you're probably pretty tired. But the rewards really work, and it makes you feel a sem- sense of accomplishment. And the anticipation of the reward can be very, very motivating, except there's some research that shows, and I'm almost done, the anticipation oftentimes is better than the reward itself. People think about going on vacation for a month or two. Oh, my God, we can't wait to get to the shore, and we're doing this and this and this, and then get to the shore, and it's raining all week, right? So, but the anticipation <laughs> of that, vanca- that vacation is extraordinary, motivator. So rewards work.
0: I mean, the. I think with the planning and the anticipation for a vacation, that part is almost as exciting as the vacation itself for some people, especially if you're one of these people who really loves to plan in general.
1: Yep. Uh,
0: but the reward element, it just gives you something extra to work for. Like you love uh, giving yourself something or I think people got to practice self-care a lot more because that just helps in so many areas and it allows you to better care for others as well. Um, but going back to this theme of procrastination, a lot of people do see it as that common enemy that gets in the way of productivity, but if you do work with it, uh, I think Pat, when he mentioned the income taxes and watching the football game, that was a really great example. Um, I'm wondering if we could just talk about some of the other strategies we can use to make procrastination work with us Rather than feeling like we have to trudge against it all the time.
1: Yeah, well, let me just talk a little bit about uh, kind of the myth of willpower, and a lot of procrastinators and a lot of adults do this too. That golly, if I was only strong enough, or I was only more disciplined, or more, 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 and more, and we beat ourselves up. You talked about the self-care. You also can be self-critical. And what we find about willpower, and we have these sports models, and you're a, a great sports athlete, which doesn't help in in a regular world. You know what I mean? Because a lot of these teams have. Lots of camaraderie. They pay people millions of dollars. Uh, they're famous people, so they'll do six hours a day of, of exercising and things like that. But willpower is a very limited resource. It's a lot of myths around willpower that we have this big bucket of willpower in our back pocket. You have a small little pail. And so, and uh, Roy Boy Monster uh, wrote a book called the Willpower, and it's it's a, just a classic. He's a, a giant in the field of willpower. And he basically says it's like a battery that runs out of energy. You can't have a battery that doesn't go 24 hours. It ends up running out of energy. Or if you exercise your muscles, over time it gets tired. Willpower gets tired. And so you have to use it very strategically, either at the beginning of a task, and starting is the hardest part for for, a procrastinator. So that's when you have to kind of grunt it out, use one of these tools and techniques, and then move forward. And uh, also at the end of a task. And for me, that's, that's why I've written a lot of books. I'm a good beginner. I'm a good in the middle. It's the last few details. The last mile is the hardest mile and the longest mile for me. That's when I use my willpower. I don't need it at the beginning and in, in, in the middle. I need it at the end. Chewable chunks, temptation, bundling, rewards, whatever I can do to get that thing done. And that's what's enabled me to be successful. So willpower is very limited. Use it really strategically at the beginning of a task or at the end of a task at closure. Is that helpful?
0: I love that. I mean, that it goes back to uh, your talk about running the last mile and that one being the hardest. Uh, I definitely yeah. tie that in with the uh, marathons. I marathon, sure. The last mile is actually one of my fastest usually in a marathon because I know the finish line is so close. Like I don't want to bust out hard at the beginning because then I'm going to die out and it's just going to be a hard time. Uh, well, but that last mile, I mean, for some people, it works better if you use willpower at the start not for yep. a marathon, uh, but sometimes it works really well at the end. And knowing yourself is a great way to gauge when do I need to tap into this willpower?
1: Yeah. no, that's interesting that the last mile for you is usually a, a, is a good time. I would, that's counterintuitive, but you know, that works for you because you know, you're at the end, you've accomplished a lot. It's an extraordinary physical feat and you're ready to go. So that's kind of interesting. How about that? I mean, the other thing that the, I'm sorry.
0: Oh no, I was just going to say like each person's got a different preference for running.
1: Absolutely. No, I'm sure that's true. The other thing to think about too is that, and procrastinators really suffer from this. There's two things. They're very unrealistic. We just got through New Year's Eve, right? There's New Year's Day, and people make all these resolutions. And the research shows us that 92% of us—that's a lot—92% of us never, uh, by the end of January, no longer do their resolutions. High aspirations, good intentions, but we're way too ambitious. So last year I went to my doctor and, you know, right around the, this time. And I said, well, geez, I've gained almost 20 pounds since COVID kind of hit. And I want to get in a regimen here. And I want to lose 20 pounds the next month or two. And he said, are you silly? And he knows me really well. I said, what's wrong? He says, it took you a year to get to 20 pounds. What makes you think that in, in, in five or six weeks you're going to lose 20 pounds? I mean, you'd have to be under a doctor's carry. You'd have to be 1,000 calories. You'd be exercising six hours. Don't be silly. I said, well, okay, well, tell me. He says, do two pounds. Do two pounds in a month, and in six months, and 12 pounds gone, you'll feel better, and you'll look like a million dollars. Another six months? So it's being realistic. So it's really important for to have fewer goals. And that's where you need a thought partner, Mark, someone who says, okay, Mark, that sounds really good. You're going to run nine marathons. You've only done two in the past year. Maybe doing a third one would be a better idea than do, trying to do nine. And then you can push back on your thought partner and say, well, I think I can do four or five. But the notion is you need a reality check as a procrastinator, because you tend to be way too aspirational. And getting a good thought partner, not a buddy who says, oh, yeah, you could do nine, Mark. Say, I don't know, Mark, it could hurt your body. It's a little bit stressful. You have a full-time job. Having some be a thought partner and give you some realistic, uh, uh, you know, ideas about what's doable. The doctor gave me some realistic ideas. and I lost about two pounds a month and I didn't feel it. You know what I mean? I I, mm. I just cut out a few things, I did a few things, and you know, I, I feel better. Is that helpful?
0: Yeah. yeah, I mean when a lot of people talk about losing weight, that's a common goal that comes up at the start of every year. Yep. When you first come up with a goal you're excited and this is why New Year's resolutions die so often. When you first come up with the goal you're so excited you said something big like what pat was going to do originally where he's going to lose 20 pounds in a few weeks and then it's like if you only lose two one or two pounds you give up while if you came into the expectation let me just cut down one two pounds per month if you do it that way you don't really feel as much you don't have to like fast every day you don't have to train like an olympian for a whole month like you could do it in a very gradual way and if you set realistic goals like that, that still challenge you, you yep. are able to have that action lead into that motivation and get better results uh, versus where you were beforehand.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No, that's uh, a lot of it's common sense. And the, the book is full of commonsensical, you know, I, I know the research is a whole chapter that talks about the research. So people say, does that really work? Well, yes, it does. And this is who said it. You know, if it makes if it's comp if it's a complicated strategy or or solution, it's probably not going to work for you. Uh, having something like routines work, right? I mean, athletes do that all the time. They have got three hours of exercise. Oh well, they play, they play their music. They work with a group. They work with a coach. They, the variety is what keeps it going for three and four hours a day. So routines, like I said, when I organize my my clothing in the morning, that's a routine. And boom, 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 I'm out the door. So routines really do help. Another thing to think through, Mark, too, is especially when people are trying to concentrate and you should focus on a task, is distractions are a killer. And if you can find yourself for 15 minutes to half an hour, which is not a lot of time, but for some people it'll be a lot of time to not have the computer going ding, ding, ding with emails, that's that's like the Pavlov's dog. It's very, well, I wonder who that is, I must be pretty important. Or your smartphone, you know, these, these things are, you can't see it, I guess, but the smartphones are extraordinary. But, you know, it's something like 65% of people get anxiety attacks if they misplace their smartphone because it becomes so pivotal in our lives. And one of the things we suggest is a couple things, is put the smartphone in a different room for half an hour. It doesn't sound like a lot. If you have a half an hour where you're distraction-free, you'll get a lot done. It's extraordinary. If you come down to your office, wherever it is, or into your office, and your desk is kind of cluttered, boy, that's friction right there. And you start organizing your clutter, you're going to be exhausted in 20 minutes. So go someplace else. So I have a home office. Sometimes I don't have the most perfect organized desk. If I come down for get my task done, instead of me doing that, I go, uh-oh, let me go to the dining room table because the dining room table is always clear. And if that's something going on there, I go to the kitchen table. I go someplace where there's not any clutter and I can begin to move. Does that make sense? I mean,
0: clutter, it's distractions. It's physical yes. manifestation of distractions. You got cluttered paperwork. You you just gotta go somewhere else. I mean, I have the past several weeks cleared out so much of my room just because I want less clutter. I want less things to distract me. And I can actually see my desk, which is very impressive. given. It's a miracle. <laughs> what, it's, what it's been in the past. Uh, but you also have digital clutter as well. You clear out yes. I've gotten rid of, uh, I, I haven't deleted social media because social media, like I like to use that for my business. Absolutely. My friends, but I've deleted my apps on my phone. I have made it harder for myself to access social media online. So I definitely get you with the clutter. And I feel like that's going to be something that gets in the way. If you have it, if you get rid of the clutter, you can see a lot of gains with your productivity and results.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. And if you do get rid of the clutter, that's a task. That's a big task. You better have a reward after that, because that sets the stage. There's another thing. I just want to tell a quick story. You talked about the clutter. So I had a buddy of mine who had a three-car garage, beautiful home, three-car garage that was filled with crap, boxes and boxes. And he was not a hoarder, but he was a saver. And his wife would get upset because she couldn't even park the car. The kids got upset him because they couldn't put their bikes in there. He'd open up the garage doors every Saturday at nine o'clock, ready to go. And he would just see this mess and be completely overwhelmed. (laughs) And he did it for like two or three weeks. And he called me up and says, what do you think? I said, well, I have a strong suggestion. Are you open for that? And he says, yeah. I said, you have to ask for help. He said, how's that look? I said, find somebody else in your neighborhood who's got a crowded garage just like you do. He said, the guy right across the street, Bill, he's got a crappy garage. There's only two, but it's all full. I said, next week, you go he said, tell tell him you want to meet with him. Bring over a six-pack of beer. He could be a six-pack of root beer or juice, whatever, but he bought up beer. And he knocked on his door and he said, listen, Bill, I want to buy you a beer. And by the way, I'll give you an hour of my time to help you organize your garage. Would you be interested? Well, Bill's a smart guy. He's going to say, oh, my God, it's a gift from God. So they spent a little over an hour the first time. They had a couple of beers, enjoyed themselves. And then the deal was he would come over, Bill would come over to John's house and help him out next week. Now in three months, every Saturday for a couple of hours, a couple of beers, a couple of conversations, they became pretty good friends, actually. In three months, their garages were well organized. Not perfect like you know, had lists and color coded and stuff like that. But you could get a car in there, right? You could navigate through it and you knew you could see everything you had. So asking for help is really important for procrastinators. Sometimes you just say the Lone Ranger, we're just going to toughen out ourselves. And asking for help is just a smart strategy.
0: I mean, asking for help, that is the one thing so few people want to do. But once you start doing it, you never want to stop asking for help uh, because you know that you're going to get your goals faster. You're going to make progress faster. You're going to know the wrong turns and the right turns, you're gonna be able to distinguish those with help instead of trying to track it out on your own. Asking for help is one of the best things you could do when it comes to procrastination. You need to have a network around you. One thing you also need for procrastination, Pat's book, make sure you get your copy because we all need to become better procrastinators. Not in the sense where we stop working, but in the sense that we acknowledge our procrastination. We work with it we use it as an ally instead of a villain. Pat, where can we go to find your book and all the other work you're doing?
1: Yeah, the the, the book is called How to Be a Better Procrastinator. So it's a little bit of tongue in cheek. And it's got 100 a, a a hundred, uh, strategies. And it's on amazon.com. You can click on amazon.com. It's, I think, reasonably priced. I think it's thirteen ninety five, And it's got some pretty good reviews so far. And people, have, I've had three or four phone calls to people called my office and said it's really helped them. And here's a piece of advice for procrastinators pick one idea. Mm-hmm. Just read a and the, and the book is made for procrastinators. You can start anywhere you want. You can start in the middle, the end, and there's there's some redundancy, but it's designed for that. Some quick hits, some hacks, and some real strategies. And just try one because a lot of times procrastinators, oh, I like this one and this one and this one and this one. I got 19 things I'm going to do and I'm not going to do any of them. If you just read the book and get one good idea, do it and see if it works, then pick a second one after that and then a third one, but try not to have a big list of it. Does that make sense?
0: I love that. Breakthrough Success listeners, get your copy of the book. Start with one idea. If you make that list too big, you're going to get overwhelmed. If you make the list small and you make it one thing, you've got clarity and focus. Pat, thank you so much for joining us on Breakthrough Success. It was a pleasure to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much, Mark. I enjoyed this. Take care.